Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today, we're talking everything finance in and around building a multi-property portfolio. We're talking to an absolute guru in the space, Aaron Wybrow, who's also a very funny guy. Uh, He's the owner of the mortgage broking firm Diagnostics and Finance. We talked to him about all sorts of principles around lending, serviceability calculators, how you can manipulate the system to appear better to the bank, the difference between a foundational bank and creating lending strategy around where you are in your property portfolio structures and whether there is a glass ceiling to how much you can actually borrow and much, much more. It's an awesome interview with Aaron and I think that every property investor that's looking to build a portfolio, whether they're starting or in the middle of that journey or even towards the end, will get some value out of this one. Anyway, here's Aaron. Aaron Micro, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Oh, I'm I'm great great to be able to be on Geared for Growth. It's a wonderful podcast. It's got a it's got a name and everything. We're all we're all proper. We even got a logo. Fancy that. Yeah. Still yeah, can't just... get a still can't get the intro music right though. That was that was me playing the guitar five years ago, nearly. And it's just kind of like, oh, we can't afford to pay anyone for this. Well, there's there's that thing you could um Move your move it into second gear and have a bit of a race car in there because we're gearing up for growth. Wow, I'm gonna have Look to at that. ask you to sign over the rights to that because that's way too clever for me oh, to come up with. Just take it as a gift. <laughs> now, Aaron, this is a very serious uh podcast if people can't tell already because <laughs> the topic is really, really important. Because I think most people that are listening to this show, all four or five of them, are either in a situation or will be in a situation where lending and their borrowing capacity and their ability to grow their portfolio based on serviceability calculators and what the banks will will give them is driving them insane. So you're you're our expert today to be able to navigate those waters. Can you kick us off with some of the things that, that the typical things that are holding investors back from growing that multi-property portfolio? Well, the, the, I was thinking about that, and the banks are starting to get a little bit of grey going on here uh, with all the changes that they're doing because we have to nearly every month where the um, expenditure measures or the calculator changes um, redo that for a lot of our clients that are building portfolios because the capacity is changing. But the main key one that I'm finding a lot of blocks for investors building portfolios is knowing what they want. Um, we, we've had clients come to us saying everyone else is doing it so we've done it but we don't know where to go now they may need some tips on what they've already got and how to manage it better uh, they may even find that they don't have one of your magical tax depreciation reports to to help out because they've just been doing it because everyone's doing it and they might be finding a property and they have a fear of missing out on the property they might be um, under the under the wing of the real estate agent trying to sign off on cool-offs and not cool-offs and can you just throw another five grand on, 10 grand on and they they have it have it that they don't know what they want or their fear of missing out. Everyone's doing it. Um, they look at the property before the lending. So if they need the help with the banks, you've got to look at getting the bank organized before you get uh, involved in the property and its numbers and all the beautiful things that come with building a portfolio and everything starts from just knowing what you want. 
That's a little bit disappointing because we've been talking about having the vegetables before you can have your dessert or your lollies on this podcast <laughs> for quite some time, right? So when someone comes to you saying, all right, well, my end goal is to buy a principal place of residence in five years, so I want to invest in properties to get the equity to do that. Like at least something like that is a, is a, is a plan where you can go, all right, well, I can use some strategy that's not going to harm that. It's going to make it easier, right? Yeah, that that's a great example because when they are um, coming to to me to say w- when you unpack that, it's sometimes you do have to dip your toe in the water. I I want my owner occupied in a few years time. Let's get a couple of properties to build up the equity. Let's look at the strategies on what you need to do. Whether you're going to hold those ones, use those ones to just sell and get your owner occupied. Th- th- all those little strategies can come into it, but I suppose if you if you got that long term goal and you got the short term one of buying a property, you may buy one and you might find that this this investment vehicle is just not not for me. It's not what I want to I signed up for. So then then you can you can start something and then see if you like it, have a good experience. Fingers crossed, everyone that starts out going to their first investment property can have a good experience, mm-hmm. understands what the buffers are involved in the whole thing. So then they get that good experience, we get the momentum so that in the few years' time they want their owner occupied, we can just jump in and and structure that the way they wish or, or hopefully they don't need me for their owner occupied because let's face it, the debt on your owner occupied is not deductible. Mm. Yes, and I hate things that are not deductible. I made a career out of deducting things. Um, <laughs> now, for for the marketplace that we're in, you know, and 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 perhaps this was a little while ago, and you can comment on this, but that has seemed to have been quite a bit of competition and cashbacks around. I'm just wondering, you know, how counterproductive can it be to just be chasing the lowest interest rate or these cashback offers? Is is this kind of like a short term sugar hit that can derail your long term goals? Well, I think I think everything with the promotions the banks come out with to um, entice new customers to come to them, um, and it's a very backward system where they are enticing new customers to give the new customers the good rate, and the new customers get the cashbacks, the the new customers get all the get everything served to them on a plate, and then you can have a customer that's been with that particular lender for like many many years, and their interest rates one percent higher. I've even seen nearly two percent higher than what they're offering new customers before it's reviewed. So it's really interesting that the uh, the, the sugar hit there um, is there. So I, w- I would say chasing the active um, chasing cashbacks can be counterproductive in your property portfolio growth. If you're just if that's all you're after and you don't want a property portfolio, go, go nuts if you wish. But it can be productive because there's application, there's interest rates, there's out- incoming outgoing fees, and um, it just depends. If you if you want a cashback, typically a lot of my customers, when they are going down the line of um, going to a lender, and let's say they have a mindset that it's a bonus that they get a cashback because that lender was specifically there for their po- policy portfolio of what they needed for their next property. That lender is there for them to access the money to get it, and and going from there. And the other thing with cashbacks is if the the interest rates I'm seeing on the cashback lenders are usually 0.2, 0.3 higher than. Um, some of the lower ones that are in the market. So there's some lenders that are, are quite low at the moment, but they don't offer cashbacks. So it's it's interesting. You you buy what's the um you you buy a car on one percent finance, and you wonder where the wonder where the interest rate's gone. It's probably gone into the price of the car. So this is the interesting thing here. So if it's going to take you three years to get the savings off the interest rate, you're moving to for the cashback. 
is it really worth it? Or is it the intent that this cashback for a property investor is just the bonus on the top for them building their portfolio? Mm. That's how I look at it. You know, it's triggered into our psychology though, Aaron. It's cash back. Yeah. What are you not understanding? It's free money. There you go. It is free money. But if you have have you ever looked at the um, loan contracts where it states how much interest you're going to pay over a 30-year period if the interest rate stays as it is on the contract? You really have a, a way little bit more than three grand, man. You really have a way of taking the fun out of <laughs> free money st- stick I'm trying to run with. But no. Free money. Yeah. I love you, free money. You're Bring right. On. <laughs> a very, very important point. Um, something I wanted to ask you about was the this mythical beast known as the serviceability calculator. You I mean people live and die by the formulas in this calculator. I, I've even heard tell, you know, over the flickering embers of a midnight fire that these these calculators have got into the hands of of mere mortals and they've been able to, you know, play with them and use them <laughs> to try and manipulate their, you know, their situation to get the loans. What can you in in real terms tell us about these serviceability calculators? Oh, well, if I if I actually show you, I'd probably have to kill you. You should see the um, disclosure agreements we have to sign here. Um, they're a bit magical when you press that that button on Excel, and I don't know whether anyone's played with Excel where you you put some magical equations in and it magically calculates something. Well, we press that that thing called enable macros, and that's just like next level yep. um, spiritual realm, you could say, when we look at these borrowing calculators. But th- there is a few things that you can control. So there's a lot of, lot of things that the property investor can control. And one is that um, you can you, you, you control... Well, to a point, you can control your income. To a point, you can pay off debts that aren't serving you on your borrowing capacity. And and if you really want to look at how capacities work, this is where your your mortgage broker comes in. So uh, a couple of tips on understanding your your borrowing capacity or the servicing calculator is if you've got a uh, your next purchase, your current purchase you're on, or you've just finished a purchase, you can or, or you're in 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 between the purchase, you can. Ask your mortgage broker what what is your capacity? Where is it? Where is it problematic? Why did it come up with that figure? Maybe it's because you got a forty grand credit card, and maybe a ten grand would actually enable you to add more rent with the next property purchase, reduce or cancel a card, change how something's working to help you understand the calculator for your next subsequent purchase. So. Um, understanding what's in the calculator, understanding where your borrowing capacity is, and understanding what you need to add in or change around in your own circumstances to make that better can all come into the piece of looking at it. And if you're really wanting to have a look at how the banks are going to assess your repayment on your new debt is that you can take the current interest rate, go to a loan loan repayment calculator, add 3% to that interest rate, put in your loan amount you want, and that's what the bank's going to have on your top line of seeing if you can afford that in your budget. So right. that's a, a really interesting way. There's a lot of other factors that come into it. Um, every bank, this is where the competition of the bank comes in. The borrowing capacity calculator is where the a lot of the, the competition, how they treat rental income, how they treat credit card debt, how they treat business debt, how they treat um, profit on a business. Are they looking at one year, two years? Um, how they look at external debt to to um, what you've got outside the lender you're currently going with. Those things is where the competition of the um, banks come into it, in addition to what we just spoke about, free money with cashbacks and really low rates. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, are, are there any ways to to game the system? I mean, I, I I've, yeah. I've heard. I've heard. Oh, I mean, I'm oh, pleased let's, to let's please, let's manipulate the system, eh? Let's, let's yeah. <laughs> let's let's stick it to the man. I've heard people, um, you know, paying say three months worth of expenses in advance, or you know, getting mm. getting you know a stack of cash and stuffing it into a mattress and living on cash for a few months just to look. To look good for the banks. Uh, I mean, people do that with logbooks and the ATO. You know, like I'll keep the logbook, but you know, I'll make sure I, you know, book a few sort of trips here and there, and you know, it'll all work out. Big, big shout out to the ATO. <laughs> Not advocating any of that stuff, but what can we do? What's the What's the good thing? Is that what is it? The the ATO looking at tax tax um, planning and minimization to mm. be in the rules. Um, lending, um, like your mattresses and. And bucketing cash and all that other stuff is probably probably not the thing that we want to see. Right. But there are some really key things that we can do to help our um, situation increase the borrowing capacity um, and how you can help with your income and expenses in a, in a way that helps your serviceability. And and that I categorize this into three parts. So you got yourself employed, and you got your employee, and then you've got what we just talked about with the bank policies, where they compete on policies, and the bank banking borrowing capacities can range quite dramatically between one and another. So, so bar that one, that one's the easy one because of how they chart, um, how they treat everything. But with yourself employed, you can do a little bit of planning. Like we're we're sitting in March 2023 at the moment, and we've got this thing coming up that's 30th of June 2023, which is the end of the tax year. Mm. So there might be some planning that you've done to help you. Um, not only property invest, but jointly with your accountant about your tax planning as well. So you can look at expenses. What what expenses are in your business to help your net profit? Because that's what the bank looks at, your net profit. Is there an additional customer you get that gets the turnover that you need to get your profit up? Um, is there uh, other things that you can look at, like your current portfolio, increasing your rental income? So right now, we're seeing a lot of property investors coming to us and saying, oh, their rental income's going up by $10, $20. And then if they've got uh, 10 properties, $10, $20 across 10 properties can be quite significant on the calculator. Uh, POYG people can look at um, pay rises. Maybe maybe they haven't asked for a while. Um, commissions, um, can uh, how the commissions vary um, each year, overtime, shift allowances, all that sort of stuff can come and change your, your borrowing capacity as you continue to do those. Um, you could even go for a higher paying job that increases the income too. Um, you just got to be careful with some of the banking policies around industry changes. Then there's all, always the rental income, paying down debt, getting rid of extraneous debt you don't need. And so really what I'm saying is that making lots more money is, is pretty good to go to the bank and manipulate how they can give you your borrowing capacity if you earn more legitimately. Yep. So cancel your credit card and go and make more money. Those are the those are the two obvious ones, right? Yeah, and a bit of planning for the self-employed because they, in the main for lower cost lending, they're looking from tax year to tax year. And will like if 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 the average person said to their mortgage broker and their accountant, guys, here's what I want to do, and you know, let's say I have a, a business or there are you know levers that can be pulled. Here's what I want to do. Can you guys talk together to sort of figure out you know what we can what we can alter, I was going to say manipulate. Alter is <laughs> probably better. They're already listening. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah al- what can we alter? Like, is, is that a conversation that, that accountants and mortgage brokers like yourself will regularly have? 
The Geared for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Well, I I do a lot of work with self-employed people. Um, I, I love working with my PAYG people as well. Um, where we jump into um, around this time of year or usually coming up sort of to the end of the calendar year or into this area, um, people are looking at what they are doing to plan for their tax return, um, plan for, um, and that can include you going to go into growth for your business or anything like that, or you need to tell people like your accountant that you're going to go and buy more property. So in the tax planning sessions around these this time of year, um, can be a good time to go. Hey, Mr. Count, we're going to. Uh, my tax planning session is not only to help me with with the tax and manage that and make sure I can pay it. Is also I, I want to borrow with property too. How is that going to change my tax position? And by the way, um, do you have five ten minutes that we can have a three way conversation with my uh, broker to to understand how that the banking serviceability is going to plug into that for me, so that when we come into the the September area. Our accountants, we give them only a month ready to give them two months to get the tax returns to us to do stuff. Maybe September, sometimes July, we pushy brokers sometimes um, that we can um, get the tax returns and hit the ground running and do the planning and make sure they got their deposits all right, their equity changed around, their incomes where they need to do the bank's policies are all lined up. And you've got that that's the start of the team, really, for a self employed person, accountant, and broker. Make sure you can access the money. Uh, and and that's where I would that's where I would start with um with getting that level of detail going is earlier the better before yep. you go to a property. Yes, good. Uh, I think that's the second time we've said <laughs> have a plan, right? Yes. Now I've heard you talk about um, mysterious things like platform banks and strategies like lenders in sequence. Can you let us have a little bit of a look behind the curtain on those ones? Well, platform bank, I think I made up the word. I sometimes make up the words. I think the staff think I make up words every day here. Um, platform platform banking, I like to use. There's no bank that's called platform bank. Maybe there is, um, but this is the way I use it. Um, so this is where you have a starting bank, a bank that can service a whole range of your needs. They may be fairly restrictive in their borrowing capacity, which is not a bad thing when we're starting out. And it may be this is the the bank that allows you to have the offset accounts or or even multiple offset accounts. They um, have all the other features outside the home lending that you you need to continue running your business, running your own life, um, having the offset accounts. Because as we start going down at looking at other lenders, some of that's if we go to them first, they may not have the offset accounts. They may not have the branch access or the ATM access or the fast movement of money around the place when you have impeding settlements going. So from from my perspective of looking at platform bank, I'm looking at a bank that allows us that flexibility when we're starting out on the investment journey, or you can add it in a bit later on in the investment journey, two, three, four properties down the track, we can still restructure into those areas. But I use the platform bank to look at how can we build a good foundation that has all the features and um, ability that you have to be able to then leapfrog into two, three, four, five, six, ten, twenty properties from there. 
And that's where you're talking about the lenders in sequence. So once we've got the yeah. bank, it's kind of like, all right, well, we're at this position. Which lender is going to suit us at that point in time? Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. So we spoke about how they compete between policy, which ones judge different debts differently. So if we went to a bank that in a sequence and we went to the bank that gives us the most borrowing capacity right now, when they come to judge their debt against the new debt that you want, you may lose the benefit of how they judge other people's debts. So some banks will judge other people's debts as not a risk to them because it's not their debt. Yep. But when it's their debt, they're very protective of themselves. Yep. So if you've got all your lending with the lender that gives you all the borrowing capacity, you may tap up very, very quickly on your borrowing capacity. So if you use the platform and you strategically maybe put one or two with that that platform bank, and then you can go to another one, then you can go to another one. So basically using the right lenders in the right sequence maximizes the borrowing capacities so that for, for different points in the purchase cycle. So using them out of sequence is is can change your borrowing capacity. And also you may need to spend more time when you come to uh, a broker to that that specializes in multi-property. You may have to spend a little bit more time restructuring some of your finances to be able to extract out the next borrowing capacity that yep. you need in the right area. So if you if you got the right sequence, that's cool. If not, well, we probably need to spend more time on the lending to plan for your next purchase. So it doesn't put you out of the game. It just for me, I like to talk about the sequence and get the right sequence and then readjust and readjust and readjust along the way. If we are, if we feel like we have got that right, um, and we're still sort of hitting our head on a on a brick wall with with lending, what what is the power of structures that can perhaps, you know, release new finance for investors? Yeah, structures are really really interesting thing. There's three, three of I'll say there's four types of um, structures that I I get into conversation and. It might be a little bit tricky that I'm going to talk about one structure as yourself to borrow money under. The the next pro- structure that everyone knows about is the the self money super fund area, and that quite that can be quite easy to understand because super in that instance is typically isolated and ring fenced around and doesn't affect each the super doesn't affect your personal person doesn't affect your super in the main. Yep. And then you've got trust structures and company structures that you can put in. In your in in outside that super area that can help with um with the borrowing capacity question and the last one that's really interesting around structures is bank product offerings so this might this is probably for more of the commercial guys where you can have um, products like lease stock so you can borrow in your own name for a commercial asset and the lease covers the debt right. and it ring fences your borrowing capacity away so the the structure thing can come into it and i think from from uh, examples of clients and and no structures one structure is not right for another person to another person and and everyone will play the game on an individual basis so i've got people that have done a lot of lending in trust structures for a, for a goal of what they want to do in the future i've got the combo deal where they've got personal for for tax maybe through to structures for uh, other borrowing capacities asset protection not that that's my world and and self money super fund we we find because of the the ring fence nature of um, being able to gear and leverage in that area, whilst they may need to tidy up some personal debt or increase their income in 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 another area, but they really really keen to keep investing. Yep. 
And and with all that being in place, is there really a glass ceiling of how much someone could could borrow? What I'm sort of saying, Aaron, is I want you to admit that there's a limit to your powers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there has there has to be in some way, right? Oh, I suppose we're talking about bank valuers just before the podcast and how how much we think we're talking to say the god of what they give us related to insurance values, valuations, rental income, and all that stuff, which could either be inside or outside of their scope. But uh, I get asked the question about glass ceiling on borrowing capacity all the time, and um, I, I'm I'm going to answer the question that um, that there's not really if you add one ingredient into it. So time heals all wounds or time heals all borrowing capacity issues. So what I mean about that is over time, rental income goes up, borrowing could go down, yep. uh, income goes up, equity changes, and over a period of time with the right set of circumstances, you could continue borrowing. And as you're borrowing, buying more property, you're adding more income as well. So if you add the factor of time, that's an interesting concept to put out there related to caps. If you want to do it fast, absolutely, there's going to be a cap at one point in time because you've maxed out. Maybe you've taken all your all your borrowing as interest only and it's out to wazoo and you've done everything you can to get there. And there could be a cap, absolutely. But if you add in strategy, team, time, I reckon there's a, there's a case to make that it doesn't cap out. So rather than a glass ceiling, it's a glass elevator that continues to rise with time. How's that for a metaphor? There we go. I like that. I might have to buy the rights to that one. I was going to say you could take that to the bank, but that is an unfortunate <laughs> Um The good old days of lending, people talk about, you know, the Wild West where it was like, do you have no deposit? Well, then you'll love our 105% loans at XYZ Bank. <laughs> like ha- have a lot of people made money in property because they were just present at that time in the Wild West where you could you could borrow money just on a, on a whiff of a job and, uh, you know, purchase property on the cheap. And, you know, we've obviously seen huge growth. Um, oh, I would imagine that there's always that factor of reflection that we all have, um, whether we've got properties, don't have properties, wished we did properties, just starting out now and knowing our friends have been able to be in the Wild West of getting what it was in the past. But I, I think the, 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 the reflection that I've had to take on that one is what about our kids in 20 years' time or 30 years' time, wherever the age is, about them wanting to enter the, the market in an unknown unknown rate, an unknown lending policy, and an unknown purchase price. And I think if we look over time, we all of us were kids at one point that we wouldn't have known the policy that we were going to be faced. So right now, the cards that are dealt is that we've got um, an interest rate that's risen from record lows. We've got banking policy changing all the time. Um, I'm grateful for all the changes because that's why I've got a job. Um, and yeah, it was, it could have been easy in the past, but if I can, I could tell you that there is still a bank that can get you 122% of the borrowing of a purchase price, but it's typically owner occupied and it's secured by mum and dad to get to that that point. So default, there's there's smoke and mirrors there. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors there. And, and, And also there's the advent of, a couple of lenders that aren't aren't the cheapest lenders that have thrown out the 40-year loan terms as well. So right. as the Wild Wild West gone away, I think the concepts are there, but underneath the hood, we've got guarantors and cross-security and a whole range of other things that allows us to get up to that 
that point. Yeah. And that's that's a whole other show. I want to ask is. you before before I go into your tips for investors to to win this finance game, I want to ask you about the concept of debt recycling and asset recycling. So we 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 do uh, you know for for anyone that's sort of new to the investing game, I think we'll still probably know that the principal place of residence, you know, the interest component is not deductible where it is on an investment property. So being able to move those between them can have an advantage advantageous tax effect but what what else is at play there yeah i think um there's um the aspect of debt recycling um comes uh, this comes into into your world you love to deduct stuff so if you've got an owner occupied mortgage that's non-deductible and you've got some cash you want to put in investments there can be the concept of recycling that cash through your owner occupied debt or or in effect in effect paying your debt down on your owner occupied and then reborrowing it so to speak or recycling it um, so that that's around debt recycling and trying to get your non-deductible debt down where you have cash to do so instead of dumping the cash into the property that you're buying and still having the non-deductible debt. But then in the, in regards to the asset recycling, which I'm probably stepping outside my world a little bit, but what can happen is that if you've got an older asset pool, really old asset pool, and it's costing you a lot of money to hold onto it, uh, the maintenance is up, you've had to change all the plumbing, you've had to um, redo all the kitchens and bathrooms, or you're about to, or you can forecast that that inevitable maintenance cost out. Maybe you could recycle your asset. Maybe before you in, in, in invoke all the problems that a tenant says you're going to have to get into and replace all the plumbing and all that stuff. Maybe you could forecast what's going on there, and you can sell that property off before you have to spend that money, and then you can recycle it maybe into a newer asset or something that doesn't need so much maintenance or you might be able to get the higher higher yielding properties in the upwards interest rate cycle. Um, so asset recycling could help your position out as well. And um, you obviously still need to have some borrowing on there too. Yes. Yeah, I think the, the trouble is as investors, you know, all the all the pundits sort of say, like, you never sell an investment property. You got to you got to buy and hold for the long term. And and you know, the costs of getting in and out are so high. But sometimes the numbers will will, you know, it's the meritocracy of the Excel spreadsheet, right? It's like if you actually sell this property, yes, you have to pay agents' fees and capital gains tax and that sort of stuff. But the trajectory of that is going to be far less than if you went out and purchased another property. And and you're saying there's a mortgage component to that as well. Yeah. And 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 I suppose the other thing is that you might get it when you go to sell the property that you may forecast that outside your ability to hold and you want newer assets or, or higher yielded assets because of your personal circumstances, there's probably an investor out there that wants to come in and probably knock it all down or fully renovate it because that's their personal goal on that stuff too. Yes. Um, so that's a – everyone's um, – <laughs> It comes down to that. Uh, why, why do we have um, like Facebook Marketplace or something or eBay where we're selling all our stuff and it's another 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 person's junk is another man's treasure. So um, just don't. I suppose the goal is don't stick your head in the sand if you are able to forecast some problems with a property coming up mm. that you could make a decision now versus going through uh, a problem of um, all the holding costs that are associated with that or valuation caps or things like that that are outside the say the lender or broker's control um make the decision now instead of um uh, bearing your head in sand if you need to excellent and you know it all comes to planning and and strategy we've gone way over time just yep. because like <laughs> uh i've learned a lot and i think this is one of the the biggest stumbling blocks 
blocks for investors that want to go multi-portfolio, um, multi-property portfolio, I should say. Aaron, finish this off with what what are your big takeaways? If if there's only a couple of things that people can remember from this or that you can impart to the world, assuming my ratings are that good, <laughs> what would you say? So uh, the, the big takeaway, always plan ahead and calculate. Get your spreadsheet out and calculate. And the other one is get get the right team around you to to help calculate this out for you so you can go in eyes wide open understand the borrowing and then then you can fall in love with the property portfolio process or get the right opportunities inside your property portfolio to get to your goals brilliant and that's what we want to do get to the goals thanks aaron for sharing all of your gold today really appreciate it no worries thanks mike cheers